we'll do these drills for a while. And then it gets to the point where I'm just like, okay, just make the play, stop now. Stop thinking about that drill base. A lot of it should have transferred because we did, you know, these reps. Now just be an athlete because they laugh at me all the time because I'm like, when you get in a game, I, you know, catch the ball with your teeth and throw her out. I don't care. You know, <laughs> you know, just being kind of silly, but just just make the play. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I have been dying to get this episode to you. I've been dying to get this guest on, and this is Kevin Hind. If you haven't heard that name, you've probably maybe seen their travel ball team, Team North Carolina, or on social media, they say Team NC. They're one of the most premier travel teams in the entire nation. Here's what I mean by that. Kevin coaches one of their 18 new teams based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Of his current roster of 19 players, 14 have already committed to schools such as LSU, Clemson, Maryland, Charlotte, Tennessee, UNC, JMU, FIU, and so many more. His daughter, Anna, that he coaches that we will talk about here in a little bit, has recently also just committed to continue her career at Florida State. Team North Carolina in general, the entire organization as a whole, has had 357 players commit to playing college since 2011, and that varies from Division I, Division II, Division III, NAIA, and JUCO. Holy smokes. Now, obviously, through these stats, this isn't just a normal travel ball team. The main goal for this team, this organization, is to get these players committed to continue their careers in college. So their job is to get their athletes in front of college coaches. So they have to be successful on the field, compete in many showcases, and their commitment to excellence is a main priority. Now, I know many of you listeners are either not not even in the travel ball world yet, are new to the travel ball world. But from a coaching perspective, this episode is an incredible resource for the players, parents, and coaches to see how a great team is run from top to bottom because Kevin is top tier in this area. What's cool about Kevin is, like many of you, he started off coaching when Anna started playing travel ball, which was about at 10U, and he has gone through the age groups to keep coaching her. And in that nine and a half year time span, he has helped over 30 players commit to playing college. And that's not only his players that he has coached specifically, but also other players within the team North Carolina organization. It started out with one 
2022 commit, and the rest have been 2023, 2024, and 2025s. You could say he's been around, but he knows his stuff. Here are just a few things that we talk about in this episode. How he's consistently learning himself so he can be the best that he can for his players. How proud he is of his daughter, Anna, who was ranked extra innings number one recruit in the 2025 class, and what it took for both of them to get her to commit to her dream school. A detailed description of how his team's practices are run, and they are run very efficiently. How he's coaching the whole person and not just the softball player. A bit of what he's learned about the recruiting process, because he's learned a lot. How his team is able to balance having fun playing together while also getting their job done on the field. Why he's very strict on his team's rules and why he believes it's a huge reason why their culture is incredibly strong and they have very little turnover for this team. His incredible staff, Lauren Hager and Brittany Pickett, and the specific duties that each of them have so that they're successful how he cherishes his relationships with college coaches and believes it's an incredibly important resource to get your athletes committed, how to separate being a dad and a coach of his daughter, which many of you are, and I think is great. Now, we've never had a more detailed travel ball episode on this podcast, and I'm just so excited to get Kevin on because he's an incredible coach and most importantly, an incredible person. And you guys are going to absolutely love him on the podcast today. Let's give him a warm welcome. I am stoked. I'm stoked. I've wanted you, Kevin, on the podcast for so long. Um, You obviously know that, but you've been a little busy with Anna, you know, becoming one of the best players in the nation and then committing to her dream school. There's so much that I want to break out, break down with you um, today, Kevin, but just thank you for being on today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I told you we were at convention last week together and I'm like, Hey, we can sit down in a table and just record here or we can schedule something out. And I think for both of us, there was so much going on. I had a crying baby half the time you were going into meetings. We're like, okay, it's not happening at convention. How about we do this when like, we're a little more chill and we can kind of debrief, but what was your take on convention? What were some of your takeaways this year, um, as a coach? Yeah, I mean, I just I always love the convention because I usually try to get so many takeaways from it, from just interacting with the coaches and from so many of the clinics and things. I think one, you know, the the major thing with the clinics for for like me personally is just the the interaction with the with the coaches. I mean, travel coaches as well, but also the college coaches and to kind of just pull from them what I can. You know, what are you doing that works? What have you seen that doesn't work? Just try to pull as much as possible from them and try to be a sponge you know, to these coaches. And, you know, on top of that, you know, some of these clinics with obviously some of the best in the game and and just trying to take what we can from there to then utilize it with our team so that, you know, hopefully our players are better prepared when they get to that next level. So Yeah, because you're like, you know, they always say like high school, it's preparing for college, but really travel ball is preparing you for college ball. So it's like both right. ways. But I love that you, you know, you're trying to be a sponge because, you know, the best players, they're sponges. They are trying to absorb as much as they possibly can so they can become the best that they can. But yeah. as one of the premier travel coaches, I'm just going to label you that. Like, it's true, even though you're the most humble person I know. Like, to become one of the best travel ball coaches, I feel like you always have to be learning. You're, you're, never, you're never satisfied, you know? Like, you have great things that are going on, but you know there's more and you're eager to learn more. So 
there weren't, you know, a ton of travel ball coaches there, but I think the best ones are probably there due to the fact that they're just consistently learning. So sweet. So when it comes down to like specific sessions, were there any that kind of stuck out to you? I'm a, I'm a big offensive person. So there, there was a couple of hitting clinics that I went to um, that really, I, I like the, just hear the different philosophies. Cause it seems like every year there's something a little bit different out there. Somebody's getting into some different things like the motor preferences and things like that now. Um, and, and just trying to, again, trying to take that away, something that we can bring back and, and utilize. And, and, I, and so some of those clinics that were, you know, how the body moves and how it works. I just, I love getting into those type of things. And, you know, it, and it's, it's kind of like what you were just saying earlier, like with the, the, you know, the different things, different coaches and trying to evolve over time with teams. I mean, for example, a position simple as, I say as simple as, a position like catching. It has mm-hmm. changed. I think catching styles have changed over the years, quite a few. I know, you know, with our catchers, I, I love working with the catchers and hitters and and all that. I mean, I don't work with the pitchers because I got two coaches that are amazing with that. Yes, so, you do. You know, doing the the hitting, and so I focus on that, the fielding, the catching, that those type of things, and and they do some of those as well. But just like you're saying, like with just the catching is one kind of in particular that has just evolved over time and has changed, and and you know it may be different next year, maybe some different styles or something as well. So. True. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody kind of learns things differently and has their own thing. And I think that's what's kind of cool is I've talked to other, you know, elite coaches and they're like, you know, I'm not trying to like change your style. I'm just trying to introduce you like, hey, you're something new. You might like it. So there's there's definitely something valuable about, you know, just learning things, just different approaches, because I think a lot of coaches I used to be the same way when I first started. I was like, no, I'm one sided. Like this is how hitting works. This is how it's done. But at the end of the day, you know, the longevity of hitting you know, I was a different hitter when I was 12 versus 24. Right. So exactly. it's always changing and there's always different things that'll work different. And I'm six foot. So like what I do is not going to be the same as a five footer. So I right. think that's cool that you take that you look at the approach that way. Um, yeah. So you mentioned your two other coaches. So Brittany Pickett played with my sister, Christina. She was all star at UNC. And then Lauren Hager, I got to play with professionally and love those two to death. What? Is what stood out about them that made you want to have them on your staff? Well, I mean, I think, you know, all their accolades and everything obviously kind of speak for themselves. Totally. Um, but it's, you know, my whole thing in the travel ball world is to try to get, I want to have former players around my players and and ones that have been there and done that and can speak to that. I mean, yeah, I'm a guy, so I, I get it. I know my place in the softball world. I, I was a baseball guy coming up. So, you know, now, granted, I try to learn as much as I can. I learn as much as I can from them as well. But I think the the biggest thing is to try to try to get those, the females around the female athletes and also ones that's been there and done that because I can say some things, but a lot of times too, it'll be very different coming from them that has experienced it and you know obviously things can be experienced different by you know them having played the game and and done that firsthand so i think that's a big thing that i want to bring to to the players and 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 i think that's just very important it's not to say that ones that haven't done it or the male coach out there is there's nothing wrong with that i'm just you know that's just a thing that 
you know, I've personally tried to do um, just because I think it's something more relatable for the players. And, and sometimes you get you can get a little bit more different feedback. There's there's different things I think you can get from that. Now, it's kind of it's, it's funny because I never expected players like that necessarily to, you know, to come on board. Very fortunate. I'm um, super fortunate and they're amazing. And that's why when you said their names, I, I probably smiled really big. So you did. Um, you did. Because it's actually, you know, it's, it's fun having them around. They're, they're good people, too. That's the that's the other piece of it. They're they're just good people. And, you know, when you have that and they truly care about the kids and it's not about, you know, a lot of other things that are out there. And, you know, it's about the kids and about the team. And again, trying to help them get best prepared for the next level because in your in a college prep organization, you know, that's what they're there for. And so that was the thing. And it's kind of funny. Lauren's story is pretty funny because she was in a facility, uh, working in a facility here in Charlotte. And mm-hmm. I was in there with with my team one day. And uh, it's actually in Kelsey Bruder's facility that uh, and she played at Florida as well. And so Lauren's in there doing her thing with lessons and we're in there practicing and hitting in the cages and stuff. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm just going to ask. And, you know, <laughs> one of my other coaches at the time was like, you seriously think she's going to do travel ball? with Because, you know, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, travel ball gets some good reps and some bad reps sometimes. So, mm-hmm. um, so I just asked her and she was like, man, I love working with young people. I'd love to you know, kind of see what you got going on. I'd, I'd entertain it. I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. <laughs> you know, so then that's kind of, kind of how it went there. And, uh, you know, with Brittany, she was she was coaching in an organization. And then, you know, she was going to school for nursing and things. So we were able to, you know, you know, do some flexibility there with her schedule as well. And it just worked out like that. It's really, really a huge benefit to, to me and the team. So, yeah. yeah, call your shot. We'll see if she says yes. That's so cool that like, you know, you you probably thought she was going to say no. And then you're surprised by the yes. Um, That's that's so neat. I think, you know, when you also you make it about the team first and you don't make it about yourself, like it's very easy to kind of like commit to someone who's like, you know, committed to learning themselves, but also committed to the team and not. And I think the way travel ball gets a bad rap and I've seen it from all ends is there are a lot of coaches with ego that are like, no, do this for me, do this for me. Instead of no, like the goal is to get this kid to go to college at your level, like at your team and whatever it's going to take, it's going to take. So if anybody yeah. knows it, you're right. Are those two elite players? Now I'm curious because there's a lot of coaches listening. How, do, how are you able to, you know, manage your staff while you're the, you're the head, you're the head honcho, but like give, you know, Brittany and Lauren, like, headway in their certain areas. Cause I'm sure that's how, you know, your team dynamic works, but how does it work specifically? What are the types of things you're teaching and doing? Are you leading practices? Are you doing what? And what are the other two doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so typically what I do like for, for practices, I'm a, I'm a practice person. So I, I love practices. I love the competition piece. Don't get me wrong and playing in tournaments and showcases and all that stuff, but I love the practice piece. And so so I will typically, you know, do all the practice planning and things like that. And then in the practices, you know, a lot of times uh, Lauren and Brittany, they'll work bullpens and I may be doing defense on the field. Um, there's times where Lauren will be doing bullpen and working with the pitchers there. Brittany will be working outfield. I'll be working infield. And then 
And so we'll do different things. Like then when we come into offense in the second half of our practices, a lot of times Brittany will throw live. So she'll get in there and she'll go live with them. Um, I may be doing either talking to the hitters or working with them through some of those things. We'll have, you know, different drills and stuff set up and Lauren will be helping with those as well. But we, our practices, we do a lot of things in our practices. So, and, and I'll just be honest with you, everything we do in our practices is taken from college coaches. So I, I, you know, I'm not scared to say that everything we do is, is what they do. And, um, so we take all that and, and everybody's doing different things in practice. So I do the practice plan. I'll talk with them a little bit about practice plan and say, Hey, are you, you comfortable working on this today? Are you good doing this? And, and they're yes. And, and they know we're, we just, we collaborate really well with that type of stuff. And, you know, if we have to change on the fly, I'm an engineer by trade, so I'm very square. So I have to have a plan. I have to have everything mapped out. Um, that's just my nature. And, uh, and, and I think it helps them too, because they know, you know, what we're doing is, you know, everybody stays on, on track and, but they, they do different things during the practice. I mean, Brittany may be going live and, Lauren watching the hitters and I may be doing something else on a, on a front toss or a machine somewhere. So yeah, we, we really do a breakdown. We are all doing kind of a mixed bag. So that's, that's kind of how that works on game days. Um, you know, typically kind of managing the game, the, you know, when we rotate players or substitute players and things like that, I'm usually managing that. And they're, they're more in, the gameplay like if there's a something happened with defense if there's an error or something like that and we need to correct something you know i may go and and work that and you know say lauren may go talk to a pitcher or Brittany may go talk to a pitcher or we're talking through with the hitters one of us be at third and one of us be at first and then the other would be in the dugout talking to the hitters getting them you know hey here's what we're seeing things like that so it's just a lot of different roles we all play a lot of different hats so that's so great. Now, when you mentioned that, like, you take all of your practices from colleges, now you have all these coaches that are like, what the heck? What the heck are we, are we supposed to be doing in our practices? What, you know, what are the key elements of those practices? I'm sure you have, like, a specific structure you like to kind of stick to. So right. you don't have to share all of your secrets. And they're not secrets. Yeah, they're just things you know. But, yeah. like, you could probably talk for four hours about this. But if you could break down, you know, a proper practice, I think a lot of people would just eat that up. Yeah, I mean, we not gonna say it's the it's the right way, um, but the way that seems to have worked for us is, you know, we have you know some pitchers that they're pitchers only, so they're POs. So we'll break down the pitchers and catchers, and they'll have a they'll have a session. And while we're doing defense primarily, because a couple of our pitchers will hit sometimes, so during that portion, we'll have the pitchers and catchers go typically two at a time. We'll have you know two sets. And so it may be Lauren's in the bullpen at that point, and then Brittany's running with the outfield session, and then I'm running with the the infielders. And so we'll have a lot of drills surrounding all those things with the infielders and then the outfielders. And then, like I said, Lauren will be in the bullpen working with the pitchers. You know, and then when we come back from that, we'll, we'll do certain rotations and everything through all those drills and and that. But but defense, we do that. Generally, we'll have long practices. Um, on Saturdays. And so um, a good portion of that practice will be the defense. And then what I would say, the second half, whatever the time frame ends up for that, that's what we'll end up doing for offense. But we're we're very drill-based. Um, we do, like I said, we'll go live a little bit, but we're we're very drill-based, very fundamental-based type team. And 
And again, if something's changing, you know, it may be something that I've seen at at a camp that, you know, I was at or um, whether it's a convention thing and come back and bring it back and we implement some of those other things. And, you know, and a lot of times it may be different drills for different players. I think that's a lot of times what we get locked into is every player needs to do this, these drills or you're doing a, you know, you got six players in this group. They all need to be doing the same thing. I, I get in the travel practice and stuff. A lot of times you rotate them through all the drills, but we do enough different drills in there where it's, it's hit, hitting different elements that these first two drills may not, these first two kids may not need it as much as the other three, for example, but the next two drills they're doing will impact them more than say those, if that makes sense. So we just try to, we, we try to implement that. Like a lot of times when we go to the offensive piece, you know, Brittany's going live, then we'll do drills that work, you know, that'll focus more on the top half. And then we'll do some drills bottom half and then we'll do some drills that put it all together and then go live. So, so yes, yeah, so us and we, you know, do the machine work, work, you know, vertical, pretty much with the machine and, and things like that. So that's kind of, yeah, I could talk all day about it. I love that stuff. <laughs> I know. And and I don't think many people appreciate the practice as much. I mean, everybody wants the result in games, but, you know, I heard this once. I don't know if you agree, but you almost have to make practices like harder than games so that the games feel a lot easier. Do you agree with that? I do. I do. And, and a lot of times we'll go really fast. Like yeah. it'll get, it'll get chaotic sometimes. There's, there's a couple of things that we do with infield and outfield when we put them all together and go that we go we go really fast and you know and, and even a lot of times in our stations and we're switching stations we're going fast because i want to be very efficient with it but also i want them to feel like everything in practice is rushed so when they get in the games everything slows down so mm. that's that's kind of the mentality there so trying to take a lot of that and, and a lot of times they don't even know that's what it's doing you know right. you're not trying to trip them but you know at the end <laughs> of the day that's what it's that's what it's doing so absolutely yeah you got to make it chaos i remember you know being at practice at purdue my my first head coach that i had it was like the three hours flew by because it was like you're going from this thing to this thing this thing to this thing i was also practicing in the outfield and infield so when i was supposed to be getting break i didn't get a break (laughs) so um at the end of the day i've never been more physically sound you know with my game defensively or offensively than when I was, you know, being pushed in that way, um, you know, doing the drills, getting just the reps. I think yes. the reps themselves, everybody's like, drills are great because I'm I'm a drills person. We always do at least two or three drills in the cage when you're with me in a lesson. Mm-hmm. So I love drills. But sometimes like when it comes down to team practice, the efficiency comes in the reps. Like, yes, if your yes. defense is going to get good with their like, I don't know, maybe maybe you're working on transfers. You need to get your 10,000 reps to master anything. So you better make sure your practices are efficient. Like Mm -hmm. your defense are getting a lot of balls that day. Yeah. I think it's, it's underlooked practice. Yeah. And I think too, you know, in the practices, you know, I think, cause there'll be times where they fail a lot and, and and that's okay. That's what we got to figure out and and work through. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, there may be times where, you know, we're doing, we'll do these drills for a while. And then it gets to the point where I'm just like, okay, just make the play. stop now. Stop thinking about that drill base. A lot of it should have transferred because we did, you know, these reps. Now just be an athlete because they laugh at me all the time because I'm like, when you get in a game, I, you know, catch the ball with your teeth and throw her out. I don't care, you know, it, you know, just being make the silly, play, but yeah. just yeah. just make the play. And 
you know, because you got all the tools, it's kind of like when you go in the batter's box and kind of the setup. I mean, a lot of times we're thinking about it. You're, you know, you're in the, in the dugout and you're preparing there, you know, in a certain way. Then for us, when we get in the batter's box, we're doing certain things to prepare there. And then when you get in the box, you're kind of going with what you got at that point. And exactly, you know, and I think, you know, where I grew very young and in, in this and, and I did baseball for, I guess, around 10 years and I've been in softball for, for a lot of years now. But early on, I would want to try to tell the batter a lot when I was on, say, coaching third base. And, you know, maybe it was a mechanic thing or two. And, and I'll never forget, you know, in talking to some college coaches. They were like, hey, at that point, you're going to get them processing too much. And then it's there's going to be too much for them. And so now it's like you get in there maybe every now and then there may be something we kind of point out just to, you know, but it's not. Don't want them thinking about too much when they get in the box other than what they prepared for as they got to the box. So we try to be careful with that, too. Yeah. Well said. I mean, I was the same way, like early on as a coach. I was like, yeah, I mean, they need to know. And many people that you know, maybe are new to the coaching game. Maybe this is their first year, second year coaching their kids. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm telling them all these mechanics. Truly that's going to, ma- that's going to build scrambled eggs. That's what Sue Inquist calls it. Like up yeah. in the brain, scrambled yeah, eggs. Sure. Like we don't need scrambled eggs. We need just one clear focus and that's the ball, right? Yeah. Cause we lose focus. Like I always say the more things I'm thinking about, the blurrier the ball gets. Exactly. So yeah. h- how do you then have your athlete be able to transfer maybe that practice to the game? Like how, how do you emphasize, Hey, let go of the mechanics that we focused on. Like you did the mechanics, you did the reps. Now we can trust it. How do you get your players to do that? So I think there's a couple of things that come into play with that. Um, For example, like I, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of them talk about, say a lot of them, a lot of people talk about failing and by the time we get in the game, I'm like, we're going with what we got right now. Yes, we can tweak things in game, all that stuff. And we can talk about strategy and all that stuff. That's different. But when you get there and it, just, again, just make the plays, you know, and just do whatever you have to be an athlete. Because at the end of the day, if you're playing, you know, in travel and, you know, some of the levels we play and things like that, like you, you're an athlete, you can play. So there's a reason you're here and go play. And, you know, I think too, like, going back to the failure piece, if we're, I think what sometimes we miss is when a failure, when a player fails at something and they're taken immediately out of the game, for example, let's be honest, there's some coaches out there that do that. And it may be effective for the players. It may not be. We haven't found it very effective. We haven't really tried that too much, but from what we've seen, but if you're also teaching the recovery piece, that's where, I think if players trust the coaches enough to know, hey, if we make a mistake or if we strike out, we're not coming straight out of a game. If we walk a batter, if we hit a batter, okay, coaches trust us. They're going to give us a little leeway to work through this, and that way we can actually figure out what recovery is. Because I think that's a big thing missing in in travel ball, honestly. Uh, we all want to win. Don't get me wrong. We all want to win. And But at the end of the day, the mental aspect is a huge thing in softball and in all sports. But trying to understand – you know, when you fail, you do have opportunities to make up for that. And and I do. I think that gets missed a lot. So I think that's a part of why I feel like we do a pretty good job of letting these players try to recover. Now, again, if they're in a game and there's a couple of things that go on and you can just tell their heads out of it and they're just, you know, it's just something's just not right. 
that may be a time. Hey, come on, sit. Let's talk through it. Let's figure this thing out. And then mm-hmm. it may be next game. It may be next couple innings. But unless we're teaching, you know, we're, it seems like everybody talks about failure recovery. And if you're doing it, that's fantastic. But if you're talking failure recovery and you're really not doing it, I think that's and I found that I think there's more of that going on than what some people even realize sometimes because you get so caught up in the games and stuff. So I just think that's a big, a big piece of it for the players. I think that helps the mental piece to know that you got trust with your coaches and just to be able to know you can make up for it. I mean, we've, we've had players come on board before and, you know, for example, you know, we may have had a pitcher come on in the past and my goodness, usually if I'd have done this in the past, I may not still be in the game. And Lauren and Brittany will talk to them and say, Hey, no, you've got to, we've got to figure this out. Cause if you're going to go play, you know, you're going to go pitch at that next level, regardless of what level it is, you got to be able to work through some stuff. And, you know, and we try to help them with that as much as possible. I'm not saying we're perfect and we do everything right, but I think that's just some things that's worked for us. And I think this helps some of the players and, and that type of thing. And I think that's the other thing too, that, you know, with Lauren and Brittany, I, it'd be hard for me to do it without them. Very, very hard because I think we all from that standpoint have the same mindset as far as trying to help these kids, help them, help them figure it out. Cause I mean, at this age, they got a whole, they got enough going on with life. So, you know, and a lot of things to figure out. So, um, you know, trying to, trying to help them with those things. Sure. So we, this past year, we've gotten to where we used to do say four hour practices on Saturdays. And that would be just kind of what we would do on our Saturdays and, and things when we had those practices. And so this past year we started, or this year, we started doing Saturday, Sundays, where it may be maybe four to five hours on a Saturday. And there'll be, you know, it'd be a team lunch in there too, mixed in, uh, which may take a little bit longer. Then we'll come back, say, on a Sunday the next day, and we'll go, we may go three to four hours on Sunday. And so we'll do that for a handful of times versus trying to spread it out over a whole bunch of weeks. Cause we do have a lot of players that travel. So the, the crazy thing is when we do our, so we also do a lot of voluntary practices. So we'll put the voluntary practices out there. And if the players can make it, some may be in school ball, some may be playing another sport at that time. It may not be as easy to get to those practices, but we still do voluntaries for those that can make it. It is amazing how many of those players make those practices. I mean, it, it it blows my mind because now, granted, I do believe, you know, with our staff and what we've got in place and what we do, I think they see the value in it. Yeah. And so I think there's that piece. I think they also like being around each other. Um, so that's a good thing. But but we found that those, you know, doing those kind of weekend practices throughout the weekend for those that travel and things, it makes it easier for them because it's kind of clumped up into, say, maybe three or four weekends versus trying to do 10 to 12. And I know there's some teams and organizations that can't get together very often. They may get together right before an event or something like that and practice and things. But um, we, we've we always done the voluntaries and it's, it's always been amazing how the voluntaries have turned out and how many actually come. And we got people flying in for voluntaries. It's pretty exciting. Plus, I think it also, when I'm talking to say their future college coaches and things and yeah, Susie flew in for our voluntary practice to, you know, make sure she got her bullpens with Lauren, you know, this weekend. You know, they, they love that stuff, too. So, yeah. So, so that kind of practice setups worked well for us. Yeah. 
This is such valuable insight. I'm sure, you know, coaches right now are literally taking notes. They're like, these are all things we're going to start implementing. And like, you got to try things like some of these. And that's the thing. Some of these things are going to work for teams. Some might not, like you said, like, but I think this is just providing so much value. I'm so happy we're here. Can we, can we kind of shift over to your daughter? Because she's your pride and joy. You love her so much. Congratulations. She just committed to her dream school, FSU. How does it feel? Proud dad? Very, very proud. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty exciting. And, uh, you know, she worked so hard for so many years and, you know, it's like we talk about the work just gets, uh, gets harder. Right. So, you know, I'm like, Hey, go play at that level. You can't no slowing down and, and keep on going. And that's not, you know, who she is. She wants to keep going and hundred miles an hour with it. So, uh, so yeah, it is exciting though. It really is. Yeah. yeah. When did you learn that? Like, college was what she wanted. Did she tell you that straight up? Like, how did, how did that work? So I think, I think early on, because when we started in, in team NC, um, quite a few years ago, I mean, it's a college prep organization. So that was kind of the, the intent of the team when we built it. The thing is when we started it, um, planning on starting it, the team and the players I had was going to be in, in her age group. Well, at that time, tens and twelves, you want to spend a lot of time practicing and fundamentals and that type of stuff. And so you want more of a local base, or at least that's what we that's what we were trying to achieve. With our local base, we didn't really have a many that wanted to do that level or seem to go in that direction at that age. So but what I found is the ones that did were a couple years older. So um so, you know, we had to have conversations, myself and my wife and, and Anna had to say, hey, is this what you want to do? You know, do you want to play, you know, play up a couple of years on this team? Know that, you know, what you got to do to play with your, you know, players two years older and things like that. And she's like, I, I'm I'm in. I want to hmm. do it. And so it was kind of honestly, you know, it's hard to see, obviously, at that age. But that mentality, I think, is like. All right, she's got that that kind of mentality. Like mm-hmm. you play board games with a kid. Oh my goodness. Like <laughs> it's like everything's a competition. So Yeah. Um, welcome to my house. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So um you know, so I think it early on we kind of saw that was probably the direction, you know, she was heading. And uh so yeah, so that's kind of and, and wanting to play up in those situations versus I wanna stay back. Like it was never even a question really. And you know, just trying to kind of explain like what she would have to do to be able to to maintain and to to do those type of things and to excel in the older age groups. And yeah, she was she was willing to to do that, wanting to do that, and it kind of just took off. Yeah, she and and I think too, I think if you love something and you really enjoy it, maybe she didn't love it at that time, maybe not even know that she did, but really enjoy playing the game, then then that stuff will come. And I think. You know, not to go on a little tangent, but I think, you know, some people talk about burnout and stuff. I know that can be a sensitive topic with some people, but, you know, for for us and as a family, we feel like, you know, if you love doing what you're doing, you're going to do it. If you don't really love it and you're still doing it and it's hard to do it and you don't really want to. I mean, I know there's going to be some hard things you work through and and things like that. But I think, I don't know, I, I think a little bit differently about burnout than some folks, because I think you know, if you love it, you're going to do it and, and maybe right. do it a whole lot, you know? Yeah. 
so I was about to ask, like, how do you become one of the best players in the nation? But it sounds like that's probably the foundation. It's she yeah. loved it. And kind of like you, when it comes to coaching, you're just a sponge. You want to keep absorbing ways to get better. Is that has that been Anna since that moment of wanting to play up? Yeah. Yeah. It's been, you know, it's just funny. Come come home from work and it's like, hey, we, we heading out to the field today. Yeah, we'll, we'll go. Because I, I said, I will never say no. If you're asking and you want to go, I'll never, ever say no. And mm. so we're literally at the field and have been most days, most of the time, every day, you know, for, for a very, very long time. And so, you know, does things as far as, you know, workouts with her trainer that she's done for years and, you know, just different things with, you know, doing mental training and stuff like that with, with others. And, um, so pretty much preparing and doing everything you would need to do to kind of get set up for that that next level. And it's never been something where I said, you have to do this. And, you know, because me and her mom are just like, if you want to do it, then you, know, you can ask us to do it and things like that. And But we're not going to sit there and push you. And so, um, so, yeah, so we just kind of let her drive, let her drive it. I love that you let her be the driver of her own bus. I think that's the key of all of it. You're not going to be the best in the nation. You're going to burn out before you get there if you, you know, if you don't love it. So, I mean, I found a lot of people that I played in college with. I came in with eight people and only four finished their careers. So it's not just about doing it to get a scholarship. It's doing it because you love it and you want to see how far you can take it. I think that's where you find your extent. Okay. This is one question that I needed to ask about Anna is there's a lot of players that want to make it and they want to, and they want it just like Anna did. But you know, the recruiting process can feel brutal. You know, it can feel like this never ending cycle and the, and people dread it. But I think the recruiting process is kind of a fun time too. And I feel like it's, it's, it can be a little bit of both. You're allowed to be stressed, but how did you guys experience the recruiting process? Was it scary? Was it fun? How, what's your take on that? Yeah, so I think for for us and as a family and and for Anna, it was the fun process. Um, but it was also a lot working up to it. You know, obviously, she did a lot of camps and a lot of emails and a lot of all the stuff that we do from a recruiting standpoint as a team and and for her as a player. And so, you know, there was a lot of that stuff going on. And then, you know, obviously, as we're coming up to to September one. And, you know, for her, you know, I, I tell people like, I always ask her, say, Hey, what's your, what's your list look like? And, and I'll even tell some, you know, the college coaches when we were talking, I was like, she's got her list and list of schools, but you know, a lot of people talk about ranking the schools and all that stuff on, on your list and things. And, and it was funny because um, she didn't kind of quote unquote rank them. And, you know, and I mentioned something to her one time about it. she goes, well, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to call for one, you know, reach out, you know, so then after that, then I can, you know, think about it more. And then there may be some that pop up that didn't, you know, realize they would. And so, so you got that kind of that piece of it. And then, and then you never know how the conversations are going to go either, you know, may click with some people may not. And um, so I think for, for her, I think she did a good job of, of working the process. Yes. She didn't go on as, you know, the other visits and things like that. And, you know, when you have you, when you know, you know, moment and, um, you know, she had that. And, and I think the the process was fun, but it was a lot. It was a lot. And, um, but it was a, it was a 
good thing because I think she she worked the process in different ways too. So I think that's it was it was good. Yeah. I'm so proud of her for not ranking them due to the fact that she's given everybody a chance. You know, I think so many athletes are one-sided. They're like, no, I want to go here. And they don't know exactly why they just want to wear that Jersey. Mm-hmm. But like, shout out to her for like experiencing all of it, you know, taking yeah. it all in and being able to sit there and, you know, make that decision based on what she wants. Did she go through like a list of values or is she just, mm-hmm. um, or is that something that, you know, you just guys, you instill in your family already. It's like, no, I want the the program that's going to feel the most like family. Is that kind of how she approached right. it? Right. And that, that's the that's the thing we were we talk about it a lot and and talked about the process a lot. And, you know, as, as a family and and hoping that everything was instilled in her, you know, to from that aspect of, you know, what she's looking for and just went through all that kind of process through, you know, what everybody talks about with recruiting, you know big school, small school, coaching staff styles and makeup and all of that, those things that go along with it. So I think, you know, she did a really good job of going through that. I think we, we as a family talked about that a good bit. Did we feel good about some of the ones that were on a list? Like it was not just about ranking them, but like, man, I, I think, you know, these schools would be a really good, make a lot of sense and mm-hmm. be a really great fit. We did. Now we tried not to, impress that upon Anna because we wanted her to have her journey. Right. Yeah. So, and then, you know, her choosing to go to, to Florida state with, you know, that school, that, that staff, Oh my gosh, I can't, mm. you know, say enough, but, yeah. um, They're good people. but yeah, I mean that, so that's kind of how that evolved and, you know, it, you know, and, and everybody's past different. I mean, it is and, and how they approach it and, and different things and going through that for a few years now with the, you know, players on my team and, and things like that. Because I, I love the I love the recruiting process in general as far as the relationships with the coaches and working through that and trying to help the families through that process and things. And I think from that aspect, the the one thing, I don't say that that gets maybe lost in the recruiting process some is just to make sure, like from a coaching standpoint and travel coaching standpoint, it's all about relationships, right? That's what I was talking about. NC, you know, the NFCA at the beginning, yeah. Meeting with the coaches and talking with the coaches. There's a lot of times I don't even talk to the coaches about softball. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we're just we're talking about whether it's family or something they did recently or something we did recently. And a lot of times, now does it get to softball at some point? A lot of times it does, but it may not be. Hey, I need you to look at Susie because she's really good. You know, right? It, and I think you know, understanding the relationship piece of it is a, it is a big deal. And I think, um, versus just softball and look at, you know, look at Susie cause you need to recruit Susie. Well, you may not know what they, that school needs and things, but, but yeah, so just, you know, I, I like that the whole process with the recruiting and relationships and trying to help these families and players find the right home and things. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's pretty rewarding and, and pretty fun to do. Yeah. And I think that's something for, you know, a college prep organization as yourself. There's a lot of coaches out there that, you know, maybe they have a kid, maybe it's just one kid. Maybe it's the whole gamut of kids on their team. They want to play in college. You're right. Like you have to have that advocate for yourself that, you know, that person that can speak on your behalf when maybe it's not September 1st and they, and they can't talk to you yet. That's huge. And I'm learning from you because it's crazy in January, January 1st, 
um, we're recording this in December, I'm, I'm launching, uh, more of that recruiting process for athletes that I work with myself because I have great relationships with certain coaches as well. And I, I want to be able to provide as much as I can, you know, for the coaches on their behalf. But I think one thing that I want to learn from you personally is obviously you have to sell your kid. That sounds kind of sketchy, but you kind of have to like sell the kid based on who they are. But at the end of the day, you can't fluff it either. You can't lie to him and say, Hey, this kid works out seven days a week, but she really only works out one, you know, like how are you able to, you know, put that kid on a coach's map that you have a relationship with? I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. It's being transparent and honest with these coaches. Cause I tell coaches all the time, if, if they're asking, Hey, what can, what can this player do? And, and I will be very, very honest with them about it. I will, I'll never hurt a kid, not by any means, but I'll be very honest with a coach about it because at the end of the day, if I lose the trust of this particular coach, they're never going to want to recruit any of my kids anymore or even talk to me about any of the kids yeah. because they're like, oh, you said she throws 85, <laughs> you know, and she throws 61. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's those type of things where, you know, or if you go up and just say, hey, this kid can play for you, just kind of what I mentioned before. If you as a coach don't know what that college coach actually needs, you know, because that's a lot of times the first thing I'll ask them a lot of times when we're talking to recruiting and a player is, you know, what are you, what are your needs? And they mm-hmm. may say, I need a catcher. Well, I'm like, well, Susie doesn't catch, you know, so she probably wouldn't be able to help you out. And being honest about their abilities and about what kind of person they are, family, all that stuff, because all of it goes into it, right? So totally, I think the... You know, you just have to be transparent and honest. And I think at that point, and then the coaches can trust you and know if you say this kid can run a whatever to first base and her overhand is this or whatever it is, or, you know, she can play three different positions. Well, can she really? Can she can she yeah. really pitch hit, play the field, you know, <laughs> and that type of thing. So I think just the straight up honesty with the coaches and and having them be able to trust you with it. That's, mm-hmm. that's a big thing. Yeah. Does it ever catch you off guard when you're like, Oh, Lonnie Alameda is calling her <laughs> like just it, getting these calls from these coaches. It does. Yes, it, it still does. And, you know, a lot of them I talk to, you know, quite often, because obviously in the recruiting process, the age of our kids and some of the abilities of our kids. And so it, it does. It's, it's funny because there's been, there, there was a time we were traveling, you know, one time and I had, it was, our family in the car and Lauren was in the car with us as well. And uh, we're going somewhere and then, you know, a very prominent coach popped up on the, you know, was calling me. They were like, Lauren was even like, how do you know her? <laughs> like, Cause we didn't have a kid go there or anything. And they were on the West coast. So, um, you know, I was like, well, no, it's just a relationship. I said, cause I, you know, every now and then, not very often, but every now and then I'll call and just, we took one thing from the, the way the running style when mm-hmm. we implement it with our team. So, you know, that's kind of how we got connected and I was asking questions about it. So that's just kind of how the relationship started there. But yeah, it's again, all about relationships and, and having people to be able to, they can trust you and feel they can trust you. And then I think it's a trickle down to your team, right? So with the parents of the players and the players themselves, again, I think I've talked trust. I don't know how many times in this, but you, you got to have that. And I think it all, you know, goes back to transparency and, and honesty with folks. That's so funny. I was just about to talk about your team and and how you've been able to build this repertoire of like a very elite athletes, very good, like, but not much turnover either for your teams. Like (laughs) you don't see that in travel ball. There's always this 
crazy turnover. Why, why is it that you don't have much turnover? Do you think? So we actually just confirmed all of our players are coming back for us to us in the summer, um, which in travel ball is, is unusual, um, you know, in general. And, uh, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's others out there that have everybody come back and things, but you know, it, it's, Again, I think it's just what I was just saying about the transparency piece. So for the players kind of getting to the the player piece of it is, for example, pitchers and catchers, super, super transparent about a lot of stuff, like to give them a plan for the, you know, games and things like that. Still do it with the others as well, but especially with the pitching staff and, and catching staff, because we do have multiple of those and, the way we work those may be different than other teams, but we're very transparent. Like I would say, you know, Hey, you're going to, you're getting the start of this game. You know, we're going to let you go, you know, as long as you can go. And then we'll tell the other you're in relief this game. And if that works out, then the other player you're starting this game. And so we try to do our very best into letting them know when they're, what, what the plan is. And same thing for the catchers because we have multiple catchers and a couple play, you know, other positions as well. So we try to let them know whether we don't have to, but I feel like it's the right thing to do. So we don't have somebody sitting there like, oh, my gosh, am I, when am I going to play? What's going to yeah. happen? You, you don't know, want things the limbo. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we may have certain rotations in the field, um, you know, and I'll, I'll make sure the players understand what the rotations look like and what. You know, if there's any reason, like, hey, you're not gonna play this game because we're playing. You're gonna play the entire next game. We just try to be transparent about that stuff. Now, does it all work out that exact way? No, but if it doesn't, because like our pitchers, like we we try to rotate sometimes, and then there's other times where if a pitcher needs to work on something and she's doing, you know, working through something or she's doing very well and just kind of needs that game, and you know, a lot of times Lauren say we're going we're gonna let her keep going. And, you know, I hear some from college coaches, not, won't say all of them say this, but I think there's quite a few that says, man, stop throwing, throwing these kids every two innings. We want to see them get to a lineup, you know, maybe more than once. And so, you know, we try to try to do that. And, and again, too, like if a, if a college coach, if either they're recruited and their coach is there or they're being recruited, we make sure to put them in the right positions to, to either be seen or so that their coach can you know, see them do the thing out there. So I think it all goes back to the transparency and for the parents to understand what we're, what we're doing as well. Cause again, I know a lot say don't want to deal with parents. Don't want to do this or that. I understand that, but I think there's now most of the time we're going through the players anyway, but we know exactly what's going to happen. They'll go get in the car with their parents and mom or dad may say, well, Hey, what happened here? Why didn't you, why didn't you pitch these last two innings? Why didn't you play you know, an infield position for the last two innings. I'm like, oh, coach told me I, we we were doing this. This was the plan. You know, and you don't have to tell them everything, but I think right. there's a lot there that goes a long ways in making them understand what you're doing. And two, there's some strategy in some of the stuff we do, and I think that can help them too at the next level to understand what's going on. So, mm -hmm. no, just, I, I, I think that's how so we've good. done that. But I also think too the having Lauren and Brittany on staff that can relate to them, non-parent coaches, things like that. I think that's a, that's a big deal. I know I'm a parent and I have a kid on the team, but a lot of times it has turned like, Hey, what do you, Lauren, Brittany, what do you think? And they, they help with that piece of it. So, mm -hmm. um, 
So I, th- I think that's a big part of it too. Yeah. Lauren had mentioned when she came on my podcast not too long ago about parents and how, like you were saying, like there's a lot, it's always like coaches versus parents. And at the end of the day, like the coach, the parent, the player, you're all a team. Like these coaches that are recruiting these athletes, like are also recruiting the family. Like, I feel like you've kind of taken that similar approach. It's like, no, like we're all a team here and you don't have to agree with my decision-making all the time. But the fact that you bring clarity is so good. Lauren was mentioning that you guys had like specific standards that like from like a parent player perspective, if these standards aren't met, like we may ask you to leave. Um, I kind of like that as well. And it's not like a list of 40 million things, but it's like there are standards. Do you mind sharing with us like some of those standards that like you don't mess with? Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I'll first start with we've got we've been super fortunate. We have a a great set of families and and I'm not just saying that we really do. And so like drama and stuff is like, is is almost non-existent, Mm -hmm. you know, and which is rare too, because again, a lot of different personalities, a lot of different stuff going on, but I think everybody understands the intent of what we're trying to do and the trust factor and transparency. But the thing is like, again, the kind of standards you're talking to, like, for example, after, after a tournament or showcase, we won't discuss anything. It's got to be at least 24 hours before we'll talk about it. I mean, if it's something else they want to call it, but if it's something they're like wanting to call and question something or things like that, giving them a little bit of time to think about it, you know, and hopefully that, you know, either settles down or whatever the case may be. Um, but we've got the 24 hour rule there. We've got it where, you know, parents aren't, aren't to do like, not to come in the dugout, not to hand their players anything, you know, from outside the dugout. They're old enough now to to do their own thing. So we have we have things like that in place. Um, if you ever go to one of our games, our parents they're super supportive, but you'll very rarely ever hear anything to an umpire or players or or anything. And I think that's the way it should be. Rare sometimes. So but, rare. So rare. But they but they also know too, because I've only had to do it a couple of times over a lot of years is where I've had to ask a player to leave. And I think one of the things that if there's an issue, we ask the parents to to come to me with the issue. That's one thing that I've told Lauren and Brittany, you know, when they came on board is like, I will, I'll handle all that stuff. I just, I need you there for the kids and the coach. I don't need you to deal with, with any of that stuff. If it ever comes up, fortunate that it hardly ever comes up, but, but if an issue does come up, we always ask to come to the, to the head coach and, We'll talk about it and, and work through it. So there's been only a couple of times where I've had a situation where I've had to let a kid go. I'll never forget. There was a situation where I had to let a kid go because a parent crossed the line on something, went to another parent and started kind of like starting spreading some stuff. Sure. And I know that can happen in travel, you know, and and probably more so in you know, well, different age groups. But this was this was a while back. And so I had to you know, call that parent and say, Hey, I found out this was going on. I've got to let your, your kid go. And the parent was not happy. Um, and it got, you know, was not happy at all. And I said, but this is what we, we agreed to when you came on board and that type of thing. And so they under, it took them a few minutes. They understood it. I'll tell you this years later, I was helping the kid with recruiting. Mm. So, because it was like, you know, the dad's like, you know, why are we punishing the kid for this? I'm like, well, 
it, it's, it was, in the the it was in our standards. Yep. I've got to hold to that because if I don't, then everything's going to get crazy. Yes. Um, you have to instill your standards or people are just <clears> going to walk all over them. Yeah. Mm, and so good. You know, so that's, that's the other piece is if you've got them and you say, ah, all right, we'll, we'll do better next time than somebody else does. You know, it, it's just a trickle down effect. And, mm-hmm. and you, you know me well enough. That's not stuff I like to do. I don't like conflict or any of that type of thing. So it's very, very hard to do those type of things. And and I felt so bad for the kid. I, f- I felt horrible. And, but at the end of the day, we're still talking today. Actually, I found out that a parent that something like that had happened to, they had actually recommended a player to come to our team. Wow. So last year. So I think there's things within it that people understand it's not about getting anybody or going after anybody. There's just things we've got to do and we've got to stand by. And if you do, then I think it works out where most of your players come back and, and things. So yeah, it's, it's tough sometimes, but it, it works out in the long run usually. Mm, yeah, For sure, man, we've never gone here on the podcast, but no. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad we did. I think, you know, everything from, you know, picking the right staff to making sure you're running an effective practice to talking about how your daughter went through recruiting. I feel like we just dabbled, even though we were here for an hour, I feel like we just dabbled into these subjects, but it's such a good starting point, you know, for a coach who's maybe looking to, you know, set higher standards for their team and get rid of drama. Because I know you say you're like fortunate that you don't have drama, but like you have set the standards to make sure drama is minimal. And so, um, just shout out to you for everything that you're doing. I'm just so glad that we could finally get together and kind of chat, you know, how things are running over there. Cause you know, at the end of the day, again, I already said it before, but you are, you know, very humble in, in your actions and what you do, but you're very, very good at what you do. You are, you are building champions. You are truly helping them, you know, be prepared for college, which from a college prep organization, that's what you're supposed to do. So I think I just appreciate you so much for coming on. Is there any other thing, you know, maybe you'd want to share with a parent or coach in regards to, you know, your perspective of the game that, you know, maybe you wish they, you know, might need to know before we sign off. Um, you know, I think, I think we touched on a lot. I think I get back to the the failure recovery thing Mm -hmm. a lot because I think, I think it ties into everything to the mental health stuff. You know, obviously there's more outside of that. I get it. But I think allowing them to fail, but truly allowing them to try to recover too. Yeah. I think that's because we talk about the failure piece, which at the end of the day, those are opportunities, right? So, but the thing is, is helping them to understand that recovery piece versus, you know, because that's the first thing again, we go going sideways really quickly is not allowing them to recover or not working through some stuff or, or things like that. But, but outside of that, I think just the, the transparency piece, I think there's a fine line with transparency. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you, you don't have to tell them everything that you're doing, but I think there's a, there's a point to where you can get to with that transparency. So the players and parents and everybody understand, but, but again, it all goes back to, you know, having the support and being surrounded by the right people. And that's mm-hmm. why I tell all my players when they go on, I tell my, my high school because I coach high school as well. So I tell them when they graduate and things, just make sure you're surrounding yourself by the right, with the right people. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's going to be, that's going to be what molds you and keeps you, you know, keeps you grounded or gets you going sideways or something like that. So I think it's, uh, it's who you're surrounded by and, 
you know, look who you're going to surround these kids by from in the recruiting process and everything too with their coaches and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, so well said. Um, you know, the best teams I ever coached or sorry, the best teams I ever played on, the best coaches I ever had, all of those things were instilled. And I truly, when you're a player who feels like you are loved by the people that lead you and, and you have respect for those people, you're going to play your best. So I think all in all, we just, the whole pie has been eaten. Like we've eaten, like we've talked about the whole pieces of the whole pie. I'm going to call it a pumpkin pie. I don't know. I love good pumpkin pie, but um, (laughs) this has been a pure joy, Kevin. Thank you so much. And um, I hope you enjoy the holidays with your family. And thanks for spending time with us on the podcast. Well, thank you for the opportunity and uh, hope y'all have wonderful holidays and say hey to everybody. And uh, yeah, got to see the little one again sometime soon. (laughs) Now, I know if you're a travel ball coach, this is an episode that you should save. And keep close because we talked for over an hour about specifics from practice to games to the holistic person that you are trying to coach. And I want him to be an incredible resource for you. He gave you ways that you can reach out to him. You can find those ways in the show notes. If you're interested in following his team, their schedule and more, I will put that in the show notes as well for Team North Carolina. Also, they're huge on Twitter. I'll include that as well. But use him as a resource. I'm telling you, he knows his stuff. He's incredibly humble. He's just a great human being. And I'm excited for some of you to actually reach out to him and pick his brain on the incredible knowledge that he has, especially in the travel ball and recruiting space. All right. Well, that is our episode. Thank you again for tuning in. This has been quite fun. Let's actually talk about it inside the... Facebook group that we have, the When the Cleats Come Off community. Let's hang out there. Let's chat more travel ball. Let's hang out. And if you need to know where that is, that is also in the show notes. But I will see you next week. But don't forget to stay awkward, stay humble, and most importantly, keep smiling. See you next week. <laughs>